أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين يا من تسمعنا وترانا وتعلم حالنا ولا يخفى عليكم معرفتنا وأحوالنا يا رب العالمين انظر إلينا بعين الرحمة وتب علينا توبة النصوح أصلح اللهم من الجسد والقلب والروح اللهم رب طهر ألسنتنا من الكذب وقلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وأبصارنا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة العين وتخفى الصدور ربنا آت نفوسنا تقواها وذكها فإنك أنت خير من ذكاها فيا الله يا رحمن يا رحيم يا أرحم الراحمين يا حي يا قيوم يا علي يا عظيم يا من تنام العين وتنكدر النجوم أنت حي قيوم لا تأخذك ثنة ولا نوم الجلال والإكرام ربنا اجعل جمعنا هذا جمعا مباركا مرحوما واجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصومة ورجعل اللهم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محرومة ربنا حرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكنتنا بكنفك الذي لا يضام وحفظنا اللهم بك من سطوات الأنام اغفر اللهم لنا فضلك هذا الجلال والإكرام رب أدخلنا مدخل صدغ وأخرجنا مخرج صدق واجعل لنا من لدنك سلطانا نصيرا جاء الحق وذهق الباطل إن الباطل كان زهوقا ربنا شرح ربنا شرح ربنا شرح ويسر بارك رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي رب أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل الصالح أن ترضى واصح لي في ذريتي نتبت إليك وإني من المسلمين وصلي وسلم وبارك وأكرم وأنعم وتفضل على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم وحنا ربك رب العزة ما يصيفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم الصراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الأمين محمد بن عبد الله وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا Last time two weeks ago or three weeks ago before I traveled away were discussing the time when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has lost his uncle Abu Talib and his beloved wife Khadija and it was a terrible terrible time for him and that was after sending the second hijrah to Abyssinia. And the Prophet ﷺ felt it hard because the man who was protected him, the man who was always beside him, his uncle Abu Talib, is no longer there. And he felt really terrible. And he felt his life is becoming hard in Mecca. And the people who were respected among the mushrikeen Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab, his own uncles, were both the leading enemies of the Prophet And there is nobody there to stand by him uh, except for, for his own uh, uncle Hamza and Umar ibn al-Khattab and some of the other companions who were trying their best, but they could not do anything because you need to be in the position to do something. If you're not in the position financially, it's difficult. Just like the world we live in today. Those who have the muscle of finance around the world, يعني, they play the tune, they do what they want. So the Western powers, because now they hold the power of finance, they are almost ruling the world. But you don't know how long it's going to be. The world will change. You see? Today we have it, and tomorrow we don't have it. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looking for support and help beside the people who are with him in Mecca, he thought the nearest place, which is about 60-70 miles outside Mecca, which is a Ta'if. 
he wanted to go to a taif and in there he wanted to find that support he is yearning, crying for. So he went with a good faith that inshallah if that people or those people could support him, he can come back to Mecca feeling that urge of carrying with his mission. He went in and he began to discuss with the people and he found only grave animosity from the people themselves. It was really unheard of. And anybody who can come, usually the Arab by their nature, they will listen to you. But they will never insult you. They will never dis- regard your position. They will never put you down. They will say, no, sorry. Even now, when the European, the Africans, anybody goes to the Arab countries, they will open their door, they will feed you. They look. That this is their nature. By nature, they are like that. They are the grandchildren of Ibrahim, who taught that kind of tradition. You will never find an Arab who is really truly Arab mean. The very generous people. Nobody can say anything about that. They're generous. Seriously. Their generosity unheard of. Especially about feeding and welcoming people and keeping you at home. So, subhanAllah, he was shocked. So immediately he decided to leave. Who was with him, accompanying him? His Mawla Zayd ibn Haritha who went with him. Now, Zayd ibn Haritha was with him, accompanying him all the time, helping him, supporting him. So him and Zayd came outside and they found a shady area and they sat down and the Prophet wasallam, while he's walking to the shade of the tree to sit down, the children were following him and they were calling him name like mad, like يعني, somebody who has lost everything, somebody who has got no place in the society, throwing stones at him. And they couldn't do anything. And they, as somebody being a slave, not from the Arabs, he's treated even worse. So the Prophet was trying to keep him away, and the Prophet was bleeding. By the time he sat under the tree, Ali Abdullah, it is reported that he was taking his khuf, his shoe, and he was putting it upside down, and the blood was pouring out of it because he was bleeding through his legs, and the blood was going to his shoes. Now, that is a sad time or a sad moment in the life of Rasulullah. Now while he's sitting, he said, I saw a cloud coming up. And the cloud came closer. And subhanAllah, he says, immediately I noticed who's coming from the cloud. It was Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam approached him. He said, As-salam, salam Peace, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is conveying peace to you. And he's saying, he's sending the angel of the two mountains, Al-Akhshabayn. Okay? Al-Akhshabayn. And he would love to use them to destroy those people who have put you down and treated you in a way that is not humane. Not knowing your position and your standing with us. So we give permission to you to choose. If you will it, they will be destroyed. They will move and they will crush them. Now remember, this is the man whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created first. This is the man Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created from the light of, okay, of his face. This is the man whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in a position as a mercy to the worlds. Anything would not befit him if he said, do that, which would bring destruction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to do what he liked. He gave him the permission. But he said to Jibreel, I would wish from the backs 
of the men who are living in Ta'if, Allah will bring those who will worship him. I wish. Rather than saying, I wish Allah will wipe them, destroy them, after doing all that to him, today, when we look at the people who are abusing our religion, our prophet, everything, rather than asking Allah to give them guidance, we are asking Allah to destroy them. How can we be truly following the messenger of mercy and show mercy if that's the case? So we need to be absolutely careful from this story of Taif to realize that the Prophet was not sent to punish. In fact, before, messengers used to pray against their people. Messengers used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy them. In the story of Sayyidina Yunus, a great thing, that when he said, oh Allah, they're not to be guided. They're miserable people. Every time I stand to talk to them, they beat me up. They throw me with rotten vegetables and fruit. They throw stones at me. And they're not listening. And he ran away, and his test is known to all of you. Okay? You think of other prophets, like Sayyidina Yahya, and who was killed. Alayhi salam. Okay? Which was a miserable way they killed him. If you go to Damascus, to the Amam Mosque, he's, he's buried there with his father Sayyidina Zakaria, alayhi salam. If you think of other prophets and the way they were treated, really you think, subhanAllah, those people were wicked. Sayyidina Lut, alayhi salam, Allah destroyed his town and the malaika were accompanying him and his family out of the town and Allah is saying, tell them, telling them, angel, to tell them, whoever turn in sympathy for them will be destroyed. So there is no sympathy for the wicked. The punishment was immediate and straightforward. Either you will be drawn down to the earth, the earth will swallow you, or Allah will take the village from underneath, from the foundation, up and bring it upside down, or Allah will burn it or send fire from the heaven. It was destruction. Today, some people say that whenever there is calamities in the world, those people who are receiving calamities, Allah is punishing them. Astaghfirullah. You don't understand the Quran then. You don't appreciate the message of Muhammad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, And how can we punish them and you are in the midst of them, O Muhammad? If people say Allah is not punishing them in the time of Muhammad, they were punished. They were beaten up. And he was with them. And if people say, well, he died and he's no longer with us, you are deluded because he is still here. But his presence is the presence of the Prophet whom Allah has exalted. Higher than the Shaheed. Allah said in the Quran, Never think those who were martyred in the sake of Allah are dead. Never think that. But a life with their Lord sustained. How? We don't know. Allah knows. Ibn Abbas says, Allah give them new bodies under the throne and they are sustained by the food of the heaven. And Rasulullah said, they will always come down to the earth and they can go as they like. He proves that whenever he used to sit down in the majlis and suddenly he would say, Assalamu alaikum ya Ja'far ibn Abi Talib. Assalamu alaikum ya Ja'far al-Tayyar. Ja'far the flyer. And the people would say, but Ja'far has passed away, ya Rasulullah. Ja'far is being buried, ya Rasulullah. He would say, he is buried, but he is not dead. Allah says they are alive and I see him now flying, coming with the malaika, listening to us as the malaika come to listen to the majality of the zikr and Allah has exchanged his two broken hands or, okay, lost limbs with two wings. In Allah So when you hear your old people saying that the dead people are coming on this night they don't mean bad. So you know, they're ignorant, it's not true, the dead people don't come. They don't mean the dead. The dead, they're dead. The dead, they are dead. But they mean the pious people. 
Okay, those people who have reached the position of martyrdom, those people who are, يعني, because we put the people in categories. A shaheed is low, but above the shaheed is a salih, among the awliya, and above that is the prophet. Okay, and above that you can go further to the messengers. And Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu is the highest position of the messenger, ulul azm, but on ulul azm group he is the highest one. How can he be dead, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when a normal one of us? can be killed for the sake of Allah in a battle, and he's a martyr, and he's alive. So Rasulullah is alive. But in those terrible days, miserable days, listen, what happened? This is the story of one of the greatest companions of Rasulullah, Hassan ibn Thabit, the poet of Rasulullah sallallahu now, the poet has a great position in the heart of Rasulullah. I want just to show you the Prophet is not like other men. I wanted to move you from the position of treating him as the normal human being to exalt him to the position Allah wants us to exalt him whereby we can honor him and support him by making a lot of salawat for him as much as we can. Not for his benefit, but for our own benefit because he is the source of mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورِ He has come to you from Allah a light. وَكِتَابُ مُبِينَ A clear book. Some people say, where the light is the deen, the light is the Quran. I say, no. The light is not the deen, and the light is not the Quran. Allah said, and a clear book. The clear book is the Quran, the deen, the teaching. What is the light Allah has brought to us? It's Sayyidina Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whether they like it or not, this is the light. Now, when we talk about Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the light here, there are many ahadith to prove he is the light. And you read in the seerah yourself, when he asked Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, and he said, O oh Jabir, who Allah created first? And Jabir said, Allah wa rasuluhu a'lam. Allah and his messenger, both aware, but I don't know. He said, Nur nabiyika Jabir, the light of your prophet, O oh Jabir. Then in another occasion, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, خَلَقَنِ اللَّهُ أَوَّلًا مِنْ نُورِ وَجْهِهِ Allah created me first from the light of his face. In another saying, he says, خَلَقَنِ اللَّهُ مِنْ نُورِ وَجْهِهِ Allah created me from the light of his face. Then he says one day, كُنْتُ نَبِيًّا وَأَبُوكُمْ أَدَمْ بَيْنَ الطِّينِ وَالْمَاءِ I was a prophet already. Spiritually he means, as a spirit, and your father was still mud. And water. What do you mean, Ya Rasulullah, by this? He explained further. He says, Allamani Rabbi Tazbihan. My Lord has taught me to glorify Him. And I was a light, only a light. I used to glorify Allah with this glorification, and the Malaik will follow me, singing this Tazbih behind me. And this is 2,000 years before Adam became the man. Now Adam, he was there, created, but as a pottery shape. Allah brought the mud, or the malaika brought the mud to the creator. He fashioned it, and he gave it a shape, and it was sitting there. It is reported that Iblis used to see it, because he came from the earth. He knows this is from the earth, and there, there is nothing physical of the earth. Everything is spiritual. Beyond the galaxies, which are similar to the earth, 
everything else is different. So he used to ask, what is he doing here? And he looks down at it. So subhanallah, when the day came, Allah brought the spirit, that light, which was Muhammad وسلم, and put it onto the physical body of the human being, which was called Adam. And Adam literally meaning dark. Because Udma meaning darkness. So the dark, because once you take the mud and you burn it in the fire, it becomes darker in color. Subhanallah, they put the spirit into it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the malaika prostrate. وَقَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ تُسْجُدُوا لِآدَمِ Allah said to the malaika, prostrate for Adam. The malaika will never deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ The Quran said, they will do what they were commanded. They prostrated immediately. إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ Except for Iblis. Abba, he refused. Was takbar and he acted with arrogance. Allah, notice, every angels in all the heavens, they were prostrating. Except for him. وَعَلَيْكُمُ السَّلَامُ الرَّحْمَةِ Allah said to him, why? Look at his answer. He said, You expect me to prostrate to the one whom you created from the mud? He felt he's clever by prostrating to the mud. He's making shirk because he will only prostrate to the Creator Almighty God. He looked at the physical being, he looked at the shape, he looked at the mud. He forgot the creator of the mud, the creator of himself is the one who is commanding. When your mother or your father tell you to do something, you do it. Because without them, you will not be there. This is the way. You can't. Allah gave us one thing not to do. If they ask you to take a partner with me, then you refrain. But even with that, you act with wisdom and tolerance and patience and be respectful to them. But Iblis is talking to Allah Almighty himself. Allah said to him, Are you acting with arrogance? Or do you expect yourself to be from the highest? Get out of my mercy, for you have been brought down, and for you or upon you will be my cares to the day of judgment. Now Iblis believed in Allah. Iblis strived for years to be closer to Allah. He made one mistake. And his mistake by judging that situation by an appearance. So for us to be Abalisa, to be Abalis, to be Afarid, to be Shayateen, is when we act with arrogance, when we judge the other, when we discriminate against people's language, culture, color, what race, all this is forbidden and haram. This is arrogance. Iblis did this, Allah brought him down. One mistake. And he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, told the Prophet to bring people to that position of understanding. Hence he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum wa ajsadikum, inna ma yanzuru ila qulubikum wa amalikum. Indeed Allah does not look at your shapes and figures. He only looks into your hearts and your actions, your deeds. Now this is important. I'm giving you this to realize who Muhammad Sallam is, to honor him before you so that you can honor him further. I hear a lot of the people treating him the same like anybody else. He's a messenger, he's human like all other humans, he delivered his message and he died. Why do you have to trouble yourself to go to Medina to visit him? 
هي ديد استغفر الله العظيم الله اكبر really this is why today the ummah is divided and broken because we have no honoring for our prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and only those who honor him they need and why do we need to honor him because Allah commanded Allah said wa'adhiruhu waqiruhu وَاتَّبِعُوا النُورَ الَّذِي أُنْذِرِ You must honor him and exalt him and support him and follow the light that was brought with him. Now this light is important. He says in another hadith to prove this, and I always say it and remind people in this month of Rabi'u al-Awwal, he says in Sahih Muslim as well, more, all those hadiths are ahadith sahiha. Whether people like it or not, they cannot change it. The Prophet is light. Not this kind of light, spiritual light. A light that if Allah open your heart will be better than this light. You could see everything. You could see from here to the end of the world. You could hear from here to the end of the world. It's the light of the spirit. Muhammad sallallahu said, If one of you fight his brother, he should avoid hitting them in the face. And you know, usually hitting in the face, you might give them one knock and knock them down, like boxing. But the Prophet said, don't do that. Why, Ya Rasulullah, we shouldn't do that? He answered, okay? لَأَنَّ أَبَاكُمْ آدَمْ خُلِقَ عَلَى صُورَتِهِ For indeed your father Adam was created upon his image. The Christians have a mistake they make. They say, man is created on the image of God. <coughs> true or not true? They say that. But this is not true. We know Allah doesn't have an image. Does Allah have an image? Of course not. Does Allah have a picture? Of course not. Does Allah have a like? No. Or a similar? There is nothing like Allah. Take this from your heart. If you say to me, I can imagine Allah, indeed you have, you are deluded. Nothing, anything that comes to your imagination is never, anything else cannot. If Muhammad cannot be imagined, the seerah says, you cannot see Muhammad in your imagination. If you have seen him, you have seen him. He says, Whosoever has seen me, surely has seen me, for shaitan will never come to be me. What about Allah? Allah is higher. Allah is greater. Allahu Akbar. So we need to take Muhammad seriously. He said, if one of you fight his brother, should avoid hitting in the face, for he has created him upon his image. What does he mean by that? The image of the light. Every one of us, Physically, we have a look. Not two people look the same. Even the twins. They, to us, they look the same, but they're not the same. But inside, this, their spirit is the same. If you take the spirit of me and put it next to me, my spirit and me will look the same. But this one, physical one, will look a little bit crooked under the weather. You see, I'm not looking after it very well, but that one will be looking pure. And the more pure that, the more glowing it will look, the more beautiful it will look. Today, some people who are deluded, they say, when we meditate, when we do this, when we do that, we hover, we come out, we can see ourselves, astaghfirullah. Nobody sees the spirit. Nobody can see the spirit. When you dream in your sleep, and you see yourself, you see your body. Many times, I dream, I see myself in the bed. I am looking, this is me. Oh, my, oh, I'm sleeping. And I go and I come back. So I'm seeing my body. So that is really me. But I can't see myself. The only thing I can think, I know my physical body. That's why, how can I recognize myself? Do you understand? 
That's the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to understand. But here I am telling you this hadith to realize Allah created the physical body of Adam looking exactly like the spiritual body of the light of the first creation Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. أول ما خلق الله محمدا قبض الله قبضة من نوره الله took a bunch of light of his own and said to it be and it became the human he wanted Allah can want anything يقول لشيء كن فيكون in the Quran he said إنما أمرنا indeed our command إلى شيء إذا أردنا to anything if we want it أن نقول له كن we will say to it be and it becomes and we can do that if the spirit is clear inside. Because it is of him. The Prophet says so. You might think what the Sheikh is talking about. The Prophet says in the hadith, Allah says, this hadith Qusi, my servants will approach me by doing extra optional acts of salah, zakah, whatever. Doing a lot of sadaqat and a lot of zakawat and going out and helping people, praying a lot in the night. Okay? Becoming really a soldier of God. Until they come a time when Allah loves you. And when Allah loves you, oh, you are lucky. Until I love him, that servant, human being, woman or a man, I become then his hearing. Or his sight. Or his hand. Or his leg. And when he asks me, I will fulfill whatever he wants. And when he seeks refuge in me, I will give him refuge. Until the servant become the servant of the Lord. يقول هذا العبد الرباني رباني meaning يقول للشيء يكون فيكون like عيسى عليه السلام when he take the mud and fashion it into a bird and say بسم الله it flies الله أكبر we wish all of us in that position يقول للشيء يكون فيكون but this requires a lot of مجاهدة strive this is what إيمان is all about it's to strive to increase your إيمان our إيمان is like the dim light you try to increase it your wife says no 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 Stress is expensive, bring it down. And up, 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 down, down, down. So here we are between, we want to satisfy our ego by having pleasure, and then we remember it is wrong, haram, haram. So we are up and down all the time. قال الرسول صلى الإيمان كالنور. إيمان is like light. يرتفع ويخفض. It will go up and down according to our أعمال, our deeds. So please take this seriously. Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is indeed a human, but not like other humans. Not like other humans. Spiritually, it's like the diamond among the rocks. Are rocks all the same? No. Marble is not like other rocks. Imagine you said to your wife, look, I'm going to buy the best rock for you to make the kitchen. And you went outside and just brought any rocks. She will take them and throw them in your head. <laughs> buy her marble. Buy her the proper thing. And imagine if you went to insult her more, said, oh, I'm going to buy you the best stone. For a ring, so that I can give you the best wedding, and you go and buy her a pebble from the sea or whatever, and you bring it to her. I said to her, This is the best rock I can find. <laughs> she wants a diamond. She doesn't want this rock. Diamond is not, and diamond by itself is qualities of it. It's not the same. Those who know the diamond, believe me, a lot of people buy diamond without understanding. Diamond is bought by the clarity of the diamond. When you are buying it, find somebody who has a lot of cheating going on in the world. Just like gold, we need to be careful. So Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the poet said, Muhammadun bashar, lakal bashar, bal huwa kalyaqut, bayna al-hajar. Muhammad is indeed a human, not like other human, but he is like the diamond among the rock, alayhi wa sallatu wa sallam. The mushrikeen of Mecca, 
they were absolutely astonished. Everything they did, Muhammad sallam, is still bringing people to Islam. Now, this happened later, but I'm going to tell you now. This happened later. When the Prophet himself made hijrah and went to Medina, subhanallah, a battle took place outside Medina and a boy, a young man, was captured. When he was captured, his father, who was not very well off, had many, many children and he was in debt, felt it bad because he was supporting him in earning money to cover his debt and look after the family. So he went by the Kaaba praying for the gods. There was nobody there. And while, subhanAllah, while the Prophet wasallam was in Medina with this guy in prison and the man is praying in the Kaaba, Allah allowed him to see and hear what's going on. There was one of the wicked men of Mecca sitting next to the Kaaba. He heard the man, so he came close to him. He said, my brother, I hear you praying. Is your son captured with Muhammad sallallahu He said, yes. He said, what are you doing about it? You should do something. And the man said, but I can't. I have a family to look after and I have debt to pay. The man said, I'm a rich man. I'm well known. Regarding your debt, I will pay. Your children are my children. I'll look after them. Go and free your son, but with one condition. I will do all this. Take this sword, which is a poison sword, and go and kill Muhammad. And the man thought about it. He said, yes, fine, I'll do it. So he went to Medina, normally like anybody else entering. Nobody questioned him. He just came in. And then he asked, where is Muhammad? And the moment he came and said, salam, the Prophet said to him, ah, you are the man who's coming to kill me. You are the man who's coming to kill me. You sat in front of the Kaaba and you promised your gods that you will come here and do the job. And you are carrying a poison sword. The man was astonished. He said to him, how did you know that? By Allah Almighty God, there was nobody but the real God who was hearing from the heaven and the man who promised me. And for this, I do bear witness that you are the messenger of God. You are the true messenger. So he became a Muslim. When he became a Muslim, his son was freed immediately. The Prophet freed his son as a gift for him. When the son heard the story from his father that he's going to be free, he also became a Muslim. Now this tells us that the Prophet wasallam is not like other men. We should never treat him like other men. When these things we hear makes us stronger in our faith. Hassan ibn Thabit, the poet, and this is back to the story in Mecca, Hassan ibn Thabit was a fantastic Arab poet. One of the best. There was many of them, about ten of them. They are like the gladiators of Arabia. When they come to the market, everybody stands up for them. They are the men. They are the stars. Because their tongues will do anything that will please people by saying that which is yani, beautiful. Subhanallah, the mushrikeen of Mecca, when they found it so difficult to do anything, they came to him. Hassan, look, Muhammad is doing a lot of damage. Breaking the families, taking the youth, taking our slaves, cutting our business, destroying our living, our livelihood. Why don't you do something about it? We would like you to take yourself and write a poem insulting him, demolishing him, make him a laugh of Arabia. 
did fees? What is my payment? Said, whatever you want. Whatever he asked, they paid him a lot of money. No point whatever paid like that. He was telling. He took the money. He said, he said, I wanted to see him. I had never seen him properly. I want to find something wrong with him. Because you, they never write a poem until they see you. Maybe his nose is crooked. Maybe his ears are not right. Maybe his chin is too skinny. Maybe his bones are too big in his face. He wanted something insulting. And then he would write his poem. So subhanallah, he went to a place high. Watching where Muhammad came and he was watching him. He saw him. And listen what he was describing himself. Okay? He says, Subhanallah, when the light okay, has come passing by me and the shining rays of that light were touching me, Allah has changed my heart and Allah has opened my heart and Allah has lit my face. What I came to do was no longer possible for me at the point. It was easy for me to say what I came for, but something changed. So I took the money and I came back to them. Ah, did you do the job? They asked him. He said, <laughs> listen. Okay. This one whom you want me to insult, Allahumma inni ushudik. Oh Allah, I bear witness before you. Anni ashadu annahu rasulullah. That I bear witness, he is your messenger, ya Allah. They were astonished. They were looking at him in amazement. Mother the heck, what happened to you? Did he put a portion of magic over you? Did he rest something over you? We know he's a magician. What happened to you? Okay? We did not send you to come to us telling us these things. We want to move people away from this. You go and come back with the same message. Your money, he said, I don't want it. Take it. I don't want this. Okay? This man is different. And then he recites this. And he says, When I saw his light shining upon me, I put my hand over my eyes, frightened that this light will blind me. That means he saw the real light. The Prophet has exposed him to see the reality of Muhammad sallallahu Many people didn't see it. Abu Jahl didn't see it. But Hassan, because he did, he just wanted to do a job. But Allah wanted to guide him because the Prophet wanted somebody to support him with the poetry. Because poetry was important. Just like he wanted somebody with the sword. Umar came, radiallahu When I saw his light shining upon me, I put my hand upon my eyes so that I would not be blinded with his light. What do you do this? The sun, when you look at the sun, then you don't like to look because the rays will blind you. He has seen that, alayhi wa salatu wa salam. لما رأيت أنواره صدعت وضعت من خيفتي كفي على بصري خوفا على بصري من حسن صورته فلست أنظره إلا على قدري خوفا على بصري من حسن صورته fearing for my sight from the beauty of his sight. And I was not looking at him only from the position that I know I am. I am low spiritually. I'm not a high spiritual man. He, he knew if there is a righteous man sitting up there, he could have seen better. 
Look at the humility of the man. He didn't say, oh, I have seen him. I know who he is. I know how powerful he is. He said, I saw him according to the position Allah has given to me. And later on, recited to them the most beautiful voice when he took his shahada properly from the Prophet and became the poet of the Prophet and when the Prophet gave him his, okay, his uh, shawl and put around him his burda, he recited this. He says, وَأَحْسَنُ مِنْكَ لَمْ تَرَ قَطُّ عَيْنِي وَأَجْمَلُ مِنْكَ لَمْ تَلِدُ النِّسَاءُ More beautiful than you, O Muhammad وسلم, I had never seen with my eyes. And more handsome than you, no woman has ever given birth to. خُلِقْتَ مُبَرَّأً مِنْ كُلِّ عَيْبٍ كَأَنَّكَ قَدْ خُلِقْتَ مَتَشَاءُ You have been born without any blemish, without any fault. As if you have chosen exactly how to be created. The mushrikeen were absolutely amazed. This Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, something is magical happening to him. You know what happened? He said, this is Hassan. He said, I hear them a lot saying to me, don't listen to this man. And before they asked him to go and do the job. He was like, who is this Muhammad? Everybody is worried about him. Don't listen to him. Don't approach him. Because if you listen to him or you approach him, then he might blind you. He might do magic against you. He might do sihr. He said, I'm a poet. I'm a linguist. I understand if his language is good, I want to hear it. Language doesn't destroy you. Language benefits. It can hurt you when you recite poetry to hear somebody. But he said, other than that, it will not really do anything evil. But he realized later on, after he became a Muslim, when he saw the light of Muhammad Sallam, something is wrong with these people, alayhi, Abdullah Salatu Wasallam. So, even with that, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam was still feeling the pain of the loss of Khadija, his wife, and he was alone. So, one of the early women who went for second hijrah to Abyssinia, called Sauda bint al-Azma'a, she had a husband called Sakran Bani Amru. The two of them went to the second hijrah. When she became a Muslim, her family absolutely went mad. They're one of those mad families. How dare Muhammad وسلم, change our daughter? Her husband became Muslim as well, and they were even more crazier. So the Prophet asked them to go to Abyssinia. They went to Abyssinia. But it brought a lot of trouble to the Prophet. وسلم. And while she was there with her husband, her husband died. So she couldn't bear it. She's an old woman. And her children, before that, they died. So she came back. She was over 80 years old. When she came back, this is, I think, two years before the first met Hijrah to Medina. And she came to him, Ya Rasulullah, I lost everything. I have nobody. And I'm frightened that my family could do something evil against me. And I need to be with the Muslims. So I have a request, Ya Rasulullah. Yes, what is it? Would you marry me? Khadija asked him to marry. Now the second wife asked to marry. Khadija was 15 years older than, older than him. This woman is almost, if you think about it at that time, he is about 42, 41 years old. That is his age. And she was almost double or more. The Prophet found it hard. And imagine to him like, not just a mother, even a grandmother, she was old. So he felt haya, modesty within himself. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't want to marry you to be intimate with you. 
I want your company. I don't want to be single. I want your protection. She had a sight. Allah has opened for her. She wants to be his bride in paradise because all his wives here will be his wives there. She's a lucky woman. The Prophet said, fine. And he married her. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When he married her, subhanallah, Allah then, to please him, to make him happy, he gave him the most beautiful gift. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha report to us in one of her stories. Okay? She says, إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لها أريتك في المنام مرتين وعائشة I was shown you twice in my dreams after he married her I was telling her that أرى أنك في سرقة أي قطع من حرير I see you in the dream you are covered with a piece of silk but I didn't know who under the silk okay I see you under a piece of silk, material. ويقول, and the voice come to me saying, هذه امرأتك. This is your wife. فأكشف. And then I reveal the veil, because he's allowed in the dream to reveal the veil. فإذا هي أنت. And when I reveal it, it is you. Twice I see this dream. Then I say in my dream, يكو هذا من عند الله فيمضه أي تمه. If this is from Allah, may Allah complete it. May Allah complete it. So in the dream, if you see something good, this is a sunnah. When you wake up and you like it, say, if it is from Allah, may Allah complete it for me. Don't leave it. If it is wicked or evil or frightening, turn to the left and go, for yourself or for anybody else. And especially if it is for somebody else, don't go and say, I saw you in a terrible dream, brother. No. No. <laughs> No, don't. You shouldn't tell such a thing like that. Keep it to yourself. Keep it. Just bury it, for goodness sake. Some people ring you. You know, I saw you had a terrible dream last night. What did you say? Oh, no, no, I can't tell you. You frightened them more. <laughs> what kind of Islam is that? You don't tell them. You ring them to tell them the good news. One brother said to me, Oh, Sheikh, I saw this brother in a fantastic dream. I said to him, Did you tell him? He said, Oh, I'm fearing his head will be big. Excuse me. You are mean. You should tell him the good dream. You should encourage them. That means you are jealous. You don't want to tell him his dream. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just frightened. I was teasing. I said to him, you are jealous. The good dream you should tell. The bad dream you should bury. You should not tell anything. So, this is here that Allah is trying to make the Prophet life easier. Now, a year passed by. One year before the Hijrah to Medina, and life was becoming terrible in Mecca. Unbearable. All the companions were given the opportunity to travel to Medina. They were asked to make hijrah. Few left behind. Those who are unable, those who are too old, those who have no companions to protect them in the way, they remain. And people like Abu Bakr Sadiq, Ali ibn Abi Talib, by the Prophet's permission. One evening, the Prophet was reclining in the Kaaba. Who went to the Kaaba will realize it. If you look at Bab al-Malik Abdul Aziz, you see straight away the black stone. And between that door and to the right corner, this is the area where, subhanallah, the Prophet was lying down, facing the Kaaba. He could see from far away that, that door, people coming, the fair door. Two men. He said, while I'm lying, and I could see them approaching me, the moment they approached me, I sat 
they said salam to me and they lied me back on my back there were not a lot of people around so nobody seen what was happening to me they opened my shirt they opened my chest they got something very dark from inside me they had a tray they put it on it they took something from another tray which is very white and they washed it and washed it and washed it until it became white like that stuff itself they brought it back and they healed my chest they covered my shirt okay or my chest with my shirt and then they asked me to stand up and they took me out now this is the sharh it happened to him when he was young and i told you subhanallah this is a third time it's happening to him they took me out he said and outside i found another angel standing the two who came to him okay was jibril alayhi salam with mikail but outside there was israfil as well waiting so he said with him was a creature looking between a donkey and a horse with short legs in the front like a kangaroo legs with long legs in the back with the face of the human being but a most pretty face nice face to look at he said i was amazed by this creature it has two ears not like human ears but like a donkey ears and a tail but it's an amazing creature i approach it to touch it it moved away from me then jibril alayhi salam said to it don't you know who is this and the creature said i don't know he should not be touching me he said this is the greatest man ever to walk on this earth he is the seal of prophets and the final messenger muhammad ibn abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam then the creature humbled itself before allah ya muhammad hadha huwa al-buraq this is the buraq which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down okay to carry people from one place to another like a plane okay it's called buraq from barq when you see the lightning it's quick barq meaning fast wherever his sight ends he puts his first leg he f- flies faster than the speed of light or sound so subhanallah udn minhu warkab alay come closer to it and jump on it so he jumped on the back of this creature he said behind me is israfil beside me is jibril and on my left is mikail and we were flying until we passed yathrib which is al madina today when we came above yathrib it said atadri ma hadhihi ya muhammad do you know what is this hadhihi tayba wa tab masfaqa fiha this is the most blessed place and your residence will be blessed in this place anzil aw ihbit come down and we came down on it he said pray so he prayed alayhi afdal salatu wassalam and subhanallah they then jumped and were flying and they came across wadi madyan okay wadi madyan is where sayyidina musa alayhi salam so the two girls the daughter of sayyidina shuayb alayhi salam okay trying to water their cattle he says in that valley i saw an old man sitting under a tree with two young smart looking men i asked gibril ya gibril ya akhi gibril my brother gibril what is this that is abu kaad ibrahim alayhi salam 
and with his two sons, Ishaq and Ismail. Then while they are flying, he saw under the ground a man praying under the ground. He said, a man praying under the ground? He said, yes, this is Imran. This is Musa son of Imran, the Prophet, alayhi salam, standing, alayhi salam, praying in his grave. If Musa ibn Imran is praying in his grave, what about Muhammad sallam? <laughs> you need to think clearly. When I hear people saying things, sometimes it upset me. If they know this is hadith sahih, look at all their books, they will quote this hadith. Musa ibn Imran, qa'iman yusalli fi qabrihi, hayyan, the Prophet said, and they deny Muhammad is alive in his grave. They deny it. Don't lose your face. Don't lose your face. Musa ibn Imran qayman yusalli fi qabrihi wa Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mayitan. La yuqal. It doesn't make sense. And then subhanallah, while they're flying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to see many different things. Many different things. He saw the dunya trying to elude him. He saw Iblis trying to capture his heart. He saw Ifrit trying to make his life difficult. And in all those occasions, they appear like an old man, an old woman, a creature that has terrible fire coming from their faces. And every time, Jibreel will say to him, don't look at them. This is the dunya trying to excite you and take you away from the path. This is Iblis trying to encourage you to leave the path. This is, okay, Ifrit who is unhappy with your journey with me. And all those things you read and you find in the hadith. Until they came to Baytullahim. He said to him, here, Isa alayhi salam was born. Here, Isa alayhi salam was born. And then, because not far away, they came to Jerusalem, Baytul Maqdis. The mosque, the same place now, Masjid al-Sakhra. There, in front of the mosque, there is a huge rock. Everybody knew it. The Romans were ruling that place. Everybody knows this rock. Jibreel came down in the Burak. Muhammad Salam was standing next to him. There's nobody there. Jibreel with his finger. Not like our finger like this, by the way. But this, I'm just saying to me. He touched the rock. He made a hole in it. He made a hole on the rock. And then he tied the Burak there. Now, in that area, they used to have 13... Places whereby they call it Marabitul Khayl, the place where you tie your horses and that. He did it the same like that to show the people, and I'll tell you later on why. He did it exactly as a sign of a horse being tied there. He went inside, and the moment they entered, the mosque was full with men of different ages. When Ha'ulai Jibril asked, he said, Ha'ulai Al-Anbiya, these are all the prophets. Wow. And then straight away, an angel came carrying a tray. In it, there is a glass of water, a glass of khamr, alcohol, and a glass of milk. <coughs> he took the milk and drank almost all of it. He left a little bit and put it down. He said, You have chosen well. This is the fitra. You have chosen the fitra, the deen. Indeed, most of your nation will be of faith, but the amount of what you did in the drink, they will die without faith. He said, can I drink it? He said, no. Rufi' al-qalam wa The pen has been raised and the ink has dried. 
That's it. This is the wisdom of Allah. If he drank it all, not one single person from what Muhammad will go to the hellfire. But that means some of them, they will die without la ilaha illallah. May Allah help us and make us not from those people. And then, subhanallah, he said, Udkhul. And leave the prayer. He said, I leave the prayer? Yes, you leave the prayer. But these are the prophets. They are all before me. And he saw Ibrahim again. He saw Ishaq again. He saw Ismail again. He saw Isa again. He saw, remember, he saw them there. Magic. How could they be there and here? How did they come? You need to think. And you need to believe in this. You don't have to doubt in this. You don't question this. We don't ask about this. We, I believe in it. I trust in it. Because if the Prophet said it, I believe in him. Otherwise, I have no iman. How could you say I believe in Muhammad and I don't believe in what he tells me? And you will learn from this, the good believers, what they believe in. Subhanallah, he led the prayer. He finished. They all encouraged him. He came out. Al-Buraq is gone. There is a new vehicle there. He said it was like a room. But all the sides, you could see through them, like glass, but full of light. It opened, it, to me it's like a lift. It opened, and inside there is an angel. He said, looking more handsome than anything he had ever seen. He welcomed him in. He went in, and with Jibreel, and Israfil, and Mikael, and then the door closed, and they went up. He said, they passed every star, every planet, every galaxy, and all this is the glitter of our world. That which we see and that which we don't see. That which we know and that which we don't know. We haven't even seen the edge of it properly. And we think all of it is dark matter. It's all light matter. Nothing is dark. Our hearts are dark to see the truth there. If we can maybe invent things better than our hearts, because our hearts are full of sin, then we will see the light. That beginning to find things to find is more beautiful than anything. The, the stars, Allah said, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ بِمَصَابِيحِ And indeed we have beautified the lower heaven with lanterns. Those stars we see is nothing. There is beautiful, colorful stars up there. Some of them are huger, bigger than the earth that we live on. Anyway, until they passed all the physical world, they came to the first spiritual ceiling, whereby nobody can enter. The Prophet said, Jibreel, Knocked. How? We don't know. A call came from above. Man hadha? Who is this? Jibreel. Who is with you? Muhammad. Is he being asked for? He said, yes. They open. He said, we travel. Quick. We are there in the first heaven. And the door is locked. Subhanallah. He said, one of the most amazing things before they went up, he saw the most beautiful scene, this angel who was covering the horizon with 100,000 wings. And with him, 70,000 angels guarding the lower heaven. With every angel, there are 70,000 soldiers. That is almost 5 billion. Because the jinn try to go up, but they don't allow them. Because the jinn can fly. They don't allow them. They're not allowed. They use the physical stars to shoot them down. Okay. So subhanAllah, he said, when I approached him, greeted him before I go up, I realized everything is being destined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a moment in time. 
and that was his time to go up. So the journey, he said, of that width he crossed, if we travel according to our years that we count, it will take 500 years. How many light years we need to cross this with our light years? Just imagine the width of that heaven. He went there. For his heaven, he said, he saw a house. This house, he said, if you throw it directly down, it will fall on the Kaaba. It's exactly above the Kaaba. It's called Baytul Izza. He said, next to it, there is a huge throne. On it, sitting a man, turning to his right, smiling, turning to his left, frowning. There is not one single space where there is nothing but an angel standing, rotating, reclining, prostrating, making sujood, or bowing down, or going up and down in the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not one single place. He said the whole place is motion with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by those angels. Who is this? I asked Jibreel. He said, this is your father Adam. And the this is the house of Izzah. Approach him. He said, I approach Adam. I introduce myself. And I asked him, why do you do what you are doing? He said, whenever I look to the right, I see the earth and the people who are doing good in it. And I feel pleased and I praise Allah. When I turn to the left, I see the one who are doing wrong on the earth. And I know what will happen to them if they do not repent and turn to Allah. And I feel sad for them. And I pray that Allah will remove them from their position. He prayed for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. make dua for him. He prayed for him and asked him to go up. They are waiting for you. They came to the second ceiling. Jibreel knocked. Who's there? Jibreel, who's with you? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is he being asked for? Yes. Then they opened. Another 500 years to cross for our time. They came to the next heaven. Straight away they saw two men standing waiting by the gate. And the sky is full. No, one single empty place. With malaika making remembrance of Allah. Who are they? Isa alayhi salam and his cousin Yahya. Okay. Ibn Zakariya alayhi salam. He approached them, talked to them. Isa made dua for him. And then he went up to the third. The same question was asked. It was open. They went to the third heaven. They see a man. He said, I had never seen a more handsome human being than that man. And you know who he was? Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Dhul-Muhasin al-Jamaliya. Okay? The one who had the most beautiful attributes to make him the most handsome human being. So there, he approached him, greeted him, talked to him, and then he went to the fourth heaven. And in the fourth heaven, he saw Sayyidina Idris. The one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about him in the Quran, and Idris we have risen him to a high loftiest place. He said, I approached Idris, he prayed for me, and I went to the heaven, the fifth heaven. Idris, by the way, is one of those who did not die on the earth, like Isa alayhi salam. And Ilyas, he's there as well, and he is not died here. He will come back again. In fact, Ilyas comes every year. And he met Khidr alayhi salam and they do hajj together. Every year. It's written in the sunnah. Those who are lucky, they meet him. And they sit with them. Some of the awliya go, especially to hajj every year, to meet them. Yeah? I had a friend of mine, Allah bless him. He always tell me, when I go to hajj, I meet Khidr alayhi salam. And he said, I be promised, one year I'll be allowed to meet Elias as well. But he said, not the permission didn't come yet. I said, which year that's going to be? Take me with you. Take me. You see, what a lucky man. 
But he's there because he meet good people. We meet him maybe perhaps, and maybe we mistreat him. <laughs> Say a terrible thing to him. Because we don't look at people with their position with Allah, we judge them according to their appearance. Okay. Then when he went to the fifth heaven, he said, There I saw Harun alayhi salam. But he said, the most magnificent thing, the malaika in their groups, remembering Allah, that heaven, he said, is so beautiful. But there are a lot of human beings sitting in circles and learning. He said, I was gazing at this beautiful Harun, but what is making me look more to him, he have a long beard, the longest beard I've ever seen, up to his navel. But the most straight beard, I, when I try to imagine it like the Chinese one, they don't have a bushy beard. They have a nice, lovely beard, the Chinese. You see? It's coming down, he said. But most amazing, there is like a line exactly in the middle. <coughs> half is totally white, half is totally black. <laughs> he said, I couldn't take my eyes away from him. But then Jibreel said to me, approach him and ask him to pray for you. He prayed for me, and I asked him, who are these people? He said, this is from my people who used to love to study, and all those who used to love to learn, and died in the position of being here, Allah raised them and is still learning. Allahu Akbar. So lear learning and loving learning is very important. May Allah make us among those who love knowledge. Then he said, we went to the sixth heaven, the same question. When we arrived there, whom do we find? Musa waiting. And he was the only one who was anxious to see Muhammad sallallahu Waiting to have the most. He said, when Musa saw him, he did not wait for him to approach him, he rushed to him. And he held his hand. And he could not take his eyes away from him. As if there is something in his heart telling him to keep him with him. You know why? Because he always wished to be a follower of Muhammad Sallam. He always prayed to be a member of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is Sayyidina Musa Alayhi Salam. And here we are sitting debating whether Muhammad is alive or dead. <laughs> then subhanAllah Musa spoke to him until Jibreel said, look he has to go. <laughs> and hardly could let go of his hand. And Muhammad Sallam, whenever he held the hold of somebody, he would never pull away until the other person pulled away. So subhanAllah, he went up. The seven heaven, and he saw a similar house, exactly like the one in the lower heaven, exactly above the Kaaba. And subhanAllah, a throne, and the most wonderful man sitting on this throne, like a king with a huge turban on his head, and a wonderful shining face. Who is this here? Jibreel. This is your father Adam. And this is the house which is always filled with the malaika. Every day 70,000 angels enter it and they never come out. From the day Allah created it. Every day. 70,000 angels enter inside and they never come out. Where are they? They're all inside. It's light. Nurun ala nur. Light upon light. Inside. Come close to him. Then he came close and started talking to him. But then he realized in front of him there is a river. Beautiful river. On his right, there are men sitting like pearls. White. Beautiful faces. Repeating, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, subhanAllah. He said, it's the most wonderful chanting. On his left, there are men quiet, like them. And they're doing the same chanting. But suddenly, their color changed. And they look grayish. And once they become a little bit grayish, they stand up, they walk to the water, repeating the tasbih, they dip themselves in, they come as white as their brothers on the right. Huh? He was asking himself, what is this? Yeah, Ibrahim, what's going on? He said, these are the believers. Those who died 
with purity. And they are in the high position, they are put here with me to glorify Allah, like the malaikat today of judgment. They will sit like this, they will enter paradise direct. Those who are on the left, those who mix right with bad. They did a lot of good, but many, many bad things. They mix good, righteous action with that which is not good enough. So because of what they did wrong, they need to dip themselves. So by the time Qiyamah comes, hopefully, inshallah, they can be clean of their brothers. And we pray that they will be entering paradise without any questioning. I hope all of us will be with them. I know for a fact that one companion was with them because Ukasha, when this is mentioned, Rasulullah said 70,000 people from his people will be like this on the right, will enter paradise without questioning. 70,000. Ukasha said, Ya Rasulullah, is Allah Ask Allah, will be one of them. Anta minhum. You are one of them. Then Sa'ad ibn Waqas, the good companion. Allah gave him a place to go to heaven already. He's one from one of the ten. Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to be one of them. He said, Tabaqa kabiya Ukasha. Ukasha already took that position. Yeah? Tabaqa kabiya. This is a method in Arabic. Tabaqa kabiya Ukasha. Ukasha has preceded you with asking that question. So that is one only. Otherwise, every company says, Can I be with them? It is, that's it, one. You, the rest is supposed to strive for it. Honoring is not for everybody. Not everybody can expect an honorary degree. If everybody gets an honorary degree, <laughs> then what's the benefit of going to take an exam? Okay. Then, he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam was told by Ibrahim, sallam, go. You are awaited. Somebody is waiting for you. Your Lord is waiting. Go. Now he went. Until they saw this Beautiful tree. The Prophet said, there is no tree I have ever seen like that. He said, its leaves are huge. Its fruits are big. But suddenly it changed. When it changed, he said, Wallah, there is nothing I can say that can describe that tree. He said, there is a muntaha. He said, beautiful. When I approached it, Jibreel was with me. A call came. Udnu ya Muhammad. This is the ceiling of the seven heaven. He was called from beyond. Come along, O Muhammad. Every time, who is there, Jibreel? This time, come here, Muhammad. Jibreel said, go ahead. What about you? He was saying to Jibreel, what about you? He said, I can't go. Why? By Allah Almighty God, if I took one foot a step further, I will be bent. Why? It's not for me. This position that you are going to from this lower world of the malaika or the lower world of the jinn and the human, no one can get there. No one can get there. Just like us. Can we just leave this earth and go there? We'll all burn. Do you understand? Think about it like that. The human being to leave the earth, they need to wear a special kind of clothing. Otherwise, you're going to burn. Even the, your shuttle has to be covered properly. Otherwise, it will burn. So, Jibreel cannot go further. It's not for him. Then Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam said the most famous statement to Jibreel. Ahahuna yatrukul khalila khalila. Ahahuna yatrukul khalila khalila. Is it here, O Jibreel? The close friend, leave his friends. You have always accompanied me. At difficult time and easy time. At good time and bad time. You shouldn't leave me. He said, no. By Allah, I would never leave you. But I can't. This is only for you. Then he went up. And he was accompanied by other angels. They took him. He described that he traveled through 60 barriers of light. 60 barriers of light. And every time he crossed a barrier, the distance became greater and greater and greater until he came to a place he was alone. 
Nobody with him. And he looked around, and everything was totally different than anything else. Where he was, he didn't know. But he was frightened, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was worried. All of us would be worried. And to keep him calm, to bring peace to his heart, and to give him that tranquility, he could hear his Abu Bakr friend voice. Okay, Abu Bakr is friend voice. He could hear it. Then he started with it. Yeah, Abu Bakr. Yeah, Abu Bakr. Are you here? Oh, Abu Bakr, are you here? Then the voice of the Almighty Allah came. Even your friend Abu Bakr will not have a chance to be in this place. For this place is only fit for one. It is chosen, oh my beloved, for you. It is chosen, oh my beloved, for you. Odno minni, come close to me. Allah said in the Quran, فَكَانَ قَابَغَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدْنَى He was as close as two bows lengths, or even closer. فَكَانَ قَابَغَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدْنَى If you open a bow, and the length of it, and measure it twice, it's a distance between him and his Lord, not in physical terms, but spiritually, or even closer. And then Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam, by hearing that voice, he immediately sat down on his knees, the sitting of a tahiyatu lillahi, like that. His hands were like this. And then immediately putting his head down, he said, At-tahiyatu lillahi. All greetings are for Allah. This is Imam Malik. Narration. There are many narrations, by the way. At-tahiyatu lillahi. All greeting for Allah. Wa-zakiyatu lillahi. And all purified praise are for Allah. Wa-tayyibatu lillah. And all the good are for Allah. Wa-salawatu lillah. And all praises be upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another version of tayyibah. As-salawatu wa-tayyibat. Another version of tayyibatu wa-salawat. Okay? There are different versions. So he mentioned this. Then Allah addresses him back. As-salamu alayka ayyuhan nabi. Ayyuha is for the one who is present. In Lugha Arabiya, we say, Ayyuha lil-hadir. Alladhi la yagheed. If somebody is far away, you say, Ya! If somebody is next to you, you say, Ayyuha al-rajul. You don't say to somebody far away, Ayyuha! You don't say to somebody far away, Ayyuha, you say, Ya! That's why we say, Ya Allah, Ya Rahman, you're calling upon the one whom you don't understand, he's nearer to you than your jaglavin, but you are trying to say to him, I am distant from you. Bring me closer to you. I am distant, not him. He's next to you, but we don't appreciate that. So, Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Then the surrounding malaika, Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadullahi salihin. Assalamu alayna wa ala Peace be upon us and all the righteous slaves of Allah. And then Sayyidina Muhammad sallam says, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Then the malaika said, وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And we bear witness that Muhammad is a slave and messenger. Okay? And then the malaika chanted, اللَّهُمَّ صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِ مُحَمَّدٍ كَمَا صَلَّيْتَ عَلَى إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَعَلَى آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمُ اللَّهُمَّ بَارِكَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِ مُحَمَّدٍ كَمَا بَارِكَ عَلَى إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَعَلَى آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمُ to receive things that nobody can even imagine. And the only thing that we were honored with is Allah asked him to go back to the earth and give the people the good news that they should pray every day 50 prayers. Of course, 50 prayers are too many. And look at five prayers are too difficult. 50 prayers a day is going to be hard. But he's a servant. He came back passing through all the heavens, all the people meeting him again, greeting him, thanking Allah. When he came to Musa, Musa helped him again. What did Allah give you? 
He gave me 50 salawat. No, 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 no. Bani Israel never followed anything. They gave me a headache. They didn't listen to me. I'm telling you, your people are going to find it hard and they're going to leave it. Go back to your Lord. He went back. Oh Allah, as'aluk at-takhfif. I ask you, reduction. Allah said 45. He came back again. What did he say? 45. No, 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 please. And he was holding him. He was doing this every time until Allah made them five. When he five, he said, no, 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 go back. Allah said to him, I can't go back. He might take all of them. It is said, Musa said to him, I did not really ask you to go. I'm answering the reduction. I wanted to see your face again. All this time I'm asking you to go because I can have another chance to see you. He was using every method so that he can be close to Muhammad. To be able to hold his hand. To be able to look at his beautiful face, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because he knows he's close to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he came down. They took Al-Mi'raj again. And they came down until Baytul Maghdis. Then they took Al-Buraq. And they flown back again. In their flight back, they saw a caravan that was nearly coming to Mecca. Within a day or two, they will come to Mecca. They have a, a camel that was looking, they were looking for it. So Muhammad Sallallahu shouted from his buraq up there, they couldn't see him, Assalamu Alaikum, and he told them where the camel is. One of them said, this is the sound of Muhammad. Strange. Is he here? They were looking, Muhammad, are you here? And he just left. He arrived. And he said, by Allah Almighty God, as if I did not leave the place. And this journey, not in a dream, by the way. Because a dream, it's a dream. When he dreamt, Allah said he dreamt. This is a real journey by his physical body. Never believe it's a dream. Those who try to say oh, it was a dream, they're talking nonsense. What's the significance of a dream? This is a real journey, the mi'raj. It's a real journey. Okay? مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَأَى مَا كَذَبَ الْفُؤَادُ مَا رَأَى Whatever he has seen, he has not told. Or told by Allah. He told the truth. Ali Abdullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In the morning, what to do, what to say, he came out, he was not sure. When he was walking, he saw Abu Jahl. And he looked a little bit, not himself. Abu Jahl said, Ma Balak, what's wrong with you, ya Muhammad? You are not yourself. Every day, you look, something new happening to you. He said, yeah, I have something new, but what happened? Tell me. So he sat next to him, on a rock, that he was sitting there. And Abu Jahl usually, don't talk to him. So he felt the comfort of his uncle, Alaikum salam. He said, Alaikum salam. Well, Ya Abu Jahl, I have went to Baytul Maqdis and I came back. When? Last night. Ooh. Are you telling me last night you went to Baytul Maqdis and you came back? He said, yes. He didn't say anything because he felt if he said anything and then he happened to be telling the truth, people will say, you're foolish. Let him tell this to the people and let the people deny him. I'm not going to do anything. Tell the people. What's wrong with it? Tell the people. Look at the man and his evil. He said, yeah, I'll tell them. What's wrong with them? Abu Jahl called them. One day Abu Jahl called, everybody came. Everybody left his business and came. There was a big crowd. Usually, he come to insult him. But this time, he want people to listen to my nephew what he's saying tonight. What did you say? He told them the story. Many people who were Muslim with him, they rejected. He said, Astaghfirullah, you can't say that. And now you are lying, ya Muhammad. You can't. We travel in weeks and months to read Baytul Maqdis. Are you telling us you went last night and came back? In a dream? No, I went with my physical body. And by the way, if he said to them, I dreamt, 
Will they deny him? A dream is a dream. Nobody will say to him, you have a dream. But he went physically. Anybody who says dream this kills it. Because they denied him. He was really worried. Abu Jahl wanted to make it further, prove that he's telling something other than truth. He said, let, listen to the man, let him tell you, to prove to you. Is there anything you can say? Some of the men who traveled and saw the place, describe it for us. Where did you go? I went to the masjid. Describe the place you went to and describe the masjid. He began to describe it in details, brick by brick, window by window, everything, until it became confused. They were worried, what's going on? He said, by Allah Almighty God, when I was confused, as if Allah brought it in front of me, I began to describe even the cracks. Under every window, under everything, under the door, and everything in details. Everybody was astonished. And he said to them then, still some people didn't believe him, and they started laughing, and Abu Jahl started ridiculing him. He said, if you don't believe me, there is a group in a caravan coming, and he described which group it is. They are about to come today or tomorrow, Welcome them outside the city and ask them. They had a camel that had lost, and I directed them, and I said, tell them to them, and by the way, they had water on a pot, and I tilted it. And they found the water tilting because they were worried. Who touched water? Nothing is there to touch it. Then Abu Bakr Sadiq came from far away. They rushed to him, Abu Bakr, like children. Did you hear what your friend did? He's going even more crazier. What did he say? Whatever he says, I believe in him. How could you believe? Without even hearing that. I believe in him revealing to me the news of the heaven, the Quran. Wouldn't I believe him in anything else he says? His iman. That's why he was called a Siddiq. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Then subhanallah, he came, listened to them, he said, I believe him, but let us all meet the caravan and then that will be the proof. They all went outside waiting for the caravan related by many companions, when the caravan came, all those who wanted him to fail, they asked, did anything happen in your journey? Yes, strange. What happened? We lost the camel, but then we found it. But more strangely, we heard Muhammad selling salam to us and directing us to it. And then we found our water. Then he وسلم, said, I touched your water. I touched your water. So all this is a proof that Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, with all the difficulty he was facing in Mecca, Allah was drawing him closer to him and exalting him. And therefore for us, nothing to do if we believe in him but to exalt him والسلام, and to praise him as much as we can for it is for our own benefit, not for his benefit. For he وسلم, said, whosoever make one salah for me, it will be written equivalent to 10. And each one can be multiplied by 10 good deeds to 700. And each one who makes one salawat for me, it will be as if he did a hundred. A hundred as if he did a thousand. And whosoever does in his day, every day, a thousand salawat, I will surely give them shafa'ah in the day of judgment. I will surely, I will not allow them to enter the hellfire. Now this is something that is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now to conclude for today is what happened after that to really further prove this journey of mi'raj because it's significant thing happening in the life of Muhammad sallallahu The Prophet sallallahu when he went to Medina and he wrote his first letter to the kings, okay? He wrote a letter and gave it to a man called Duhya ibn Khalifa. Duhya was a clever, intelligent man, a very good reciter and a man of wisdom. He said, take this to Ghaisar al-Rum, the king of Romans at that time. 
So he traveled and went. He was in Beit al-Maqdis in Jerusalem. So he prayed in that mosque where the Prophet was. It is his mosque. It was the, the center of their worship. Now, when he came to deliver the message, the king said, you wait. You have some of your people in the town, some of your businessmen, noblemen. I want to invite them to hear the message you bring from this man. Who comes with the businessman? Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan entered inside, and Abu Sufyan always was trying to put obstacles to the leader because he was a very well-known man, a man of position, and he tried to tell the leaders of other tribes, don't listen to Muhammad, it's too fast his job. So he turned to the king and said, Ayyuhal Malik, O oh you king or your majesty, should I inform you a story about this man whom Duhya brought his message to that he has lied? Tell me, he said. Tell me, what, what do you want to tell me about him? He said to him, one night, he woke up, he came to us and he told us that he traveled to Jerusalem and prayed in your mosque here and came back in the same night. He said, strange. What night is that? He told him the night. He said, by Allah Almighty God, something strange happened that night. All the masjid, or all the temple doors were closed, except for one. When I saw it open, before I went to my residence to sleep, I came to watch it myself. So I looked at it, it was open. Two doors, big doors, open. So I said, usually they just close easy. So instead of calling the guard, I wanted to pull them, I couldn't. They called the guard. They tried, they couldn't. They brought the, uh, what do you call them? Allah Muhammad, uh, carpenters who do the doors to check if there's anything to do with them. They couldn't. When they checked everything, they said, what's wrong with them? They said, as if the building has sat, okay, on the, they need to be lifted a little bit up, maybe. Something needs to be done. They left it. They went to sleep. In the morning, they came. The door could close easily, as it was. But they looked at the rock, and there was a hole in it. And the king said to them, this is being made last night as a marbat, okay, as a tight place for a horse. Somebody must have come here and did this. But how could they do it like that quick? Then the king said, this will never happen in what we know in the history of our people, unless somebody who was a prophet will do that. So there must be a prophet who came here last night and did this and left. So if this man is saying this, he must be one. And this is further proof that the Mi'raj has taken place in the night by Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam from Baytul Maqdis to the heaven. But the Isra before it from Mecca, inshallah, to Baytul Maqdis. May Allah bless all of us, give us tawfiq, give us success, allow us the best here and hereafter. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillahi al-ameen. Allahumma ya rabbi zidna ilma. Allahumma ya rabbi zidna fahma. Allahumma ya rabbi jalanna min rashidin. Ya rabbi wufqna fil khair. Wa ila al-deen ya kareem. Wajalanna min ahlik haqq wa ahla al-hatrat al-mustaqim. Rabbi jalanna min ahla al-haqq wa ahla al-sirat al-mustaqim. Ya rabbi jalanna min ahla al-haqq. وأهل الصراط المستقيم رب اهدنا واهدي بنا وتب علينا وتولنا رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين يا رب هيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا واجعل معونتك الحسنى لنا مددا بالأولياء بالصالحين بجمعهم من جاءنا القرآن عنهم مرشدا فرج فضلك إلهي كربنا يا خير مد الأنام له يدا وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم حنا ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين